Greetings, brethren. Welcome to Sabbath services. In all the exciting things going on in the world, we have rest on the Sabbath, and we're going to look at God's purpose for us today and analyze a little bit more about the Holy Day since they're coming up real soon. Now, I would like to mention, first of all, now we have all the material in this booklet, Rome's Challenge uh, to the Protestants, by Cardinal Gibbon of Baltimore in 1893. Now we also have it in Appendix N in the Bible. And let me suggest that you do this. Because the information in the commentaries before and the appendices after are very vital for your overall understanding about the Bible and the Word of God and will assist greatly in your study. And one of the most important appendices we have is Appendix Z, as in zebra, which is all of Paul's difficult scriptures to understand. And you will see that if you're still using an old King James or a new King James Version or any other version, that they carry through all the errors plus adding new ones that were in the King James. Now, in the Bible in its original order, a faithful version, those have all been corrected. So let's come to Psalm 78, and let's see what we're to do on the Sabbath, and let's see about the purpose of God. Psalm 78, verse 1. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ear to the words of my mouth, and I will open my mouth in a parable and will speak dark sayings of old, because they're all hidden in the Bible. Now, back in Second Timothy, the first chapter, so let's go there. And while we're turning to Second Timothy, the first chapter, I want to mention something else. We have the DVD, True Fellowship with God. Now, I want you to get that DVD, and I want you to really listen to it, especially if you're discouraged or if you're down in the dumps, because, you see, when we come to Sabbath services, God wants us to look at his purpose overall and in our lives and be encouraged that regardless of what's going on, God is with us and in us and working with us. So you need to keep that in mind. Now, Second Timothy, the first chapter, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound-mindedness. Now, sound-mindedness comes from using the Word of God written in our hearts and minds by God's Holy Spirit to think correctly. And there are many things out in the world to lead us astray. So this is why it's good we have the Sabbath and come every Sabbath, because it helps us 
keep our thoughts oriented on God's way. Now he says in verse 8, Therefore you should not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but jointly suffer with me for the sake of the gospel according to the power of God. Now, don't worry about the circumstances that are happening even right now, because a lot of us are alone, or maybe two or three or four. And there's a church of God down near Pasadena who they served or an arrest warrant to the pastors that they couldn't have any meetings. So be sure and keep that in mind. That's Rock Church of God. Now, all the authorities that are closing down meeting are, number one, against God, and number two, against the Constitution which they have taken an oath to uphold. So we're perfectly all right meeting in small groups or even larger groups because all of the political people believe that the protests are okay, that is, if you belong to a certain political party. So let's get back to this. Verse 9, who has saved us? Now, we've been saved from our sins. We're constantly in a state of being saved. And then we shall be saved at the resurrection. Saved and called us with a holy calling. And that's directly from God himself to each one of us. And we always need to keep that in mind. Not according to our own works because our own works are not motivated by God's Spirit. But all of the works of God, and remember when you read Revelation 2 and 3 with the churches, what's the first thing that Jesus said? I know your faith, or I know your works. And if you have faith, you will have works. But God's works, that we love him, keep his commandments, obey his laws, etc. Keep his Sabbath and holy days. And those are the most important things that we do. Where would we be without the Sabbath every single week? Because in the Sabbath day, regardless of where you are, if you are there to worship and serve God and study his word, he is there with you. So think about this for just a minute. Someone's going to say, well, I'm all alone. No, you're not. Because Paul wrote that where two or three are gathered together, quoting Christ, there I am in the midst of you. So if you are there alone and you have the Spirit of God, You have the Father and the Son with you, so you're not alone. All right, let's go on. But according to his own purpose and grace, and God has his purpose. Now notice that we are a part of something so great and far-reaching and fantastic that it's awesome to even contemplate it. Let's read it which was given to us in Christ Jesus before 
the ages of time. Now you think about that. Little old us and all of God's people down through time. A holy calling from God himself. Who was the one who drew us to himself? The Father. Who is the one who redeemed us from our sin? Jesus Christ through his suffering. And that was all planned. Now then, to understand the plan of God, we have the Sabbath and Holy Days. Now, let's talk a little bit more about the purpose of God. Let's come to Isaiah 14. Now, Isaiah 14, as we're turning there, was where it is recorded that Satan rebelled to take over the throne of God. And, of course, Revelation 12 tells us that a third of the angels joined in that rebellion. Now, here in Revelation 14, we need to understand this. It talks about the Assyrians to be destroyed on the mountains of Israel. Now, there are two fulfillments of that. The first one is, during the days of King Hezekiah, which was during the lifetime of Isaiah the prophet, and you can read that in Isaiah chapter 37, 8, and 9. The whole army of the Assyrians came to conquer Judea and Jerusalem. And God fought very cleverly. While they were all sleeping to get a good night's rest before the battle, God sent a powerful angel, and they all died. 180,000. The second fulfillment will be at the return of Christ, with the king of the north and all the other kings of the nations gathered around. So that's all within this in Isaiah 14. And let's pick it up beginning in verse 24. Now let's see something about God. The only thing that can change God's mind, what is that? There's only one thing that can change God's mind to defer something for a time. Repentance. That is the only thing. Okay? Verse 24. The Lord of hosts has sworn. Now, when he swears by himself, there is no wiggle room, saying, Surely as I have thought, so shall it come to pass. And as I have proposed, to it shall stand. So shall it stand, rather. Okay. Now think about that. Everything that God has, we read it, it was proposed before the ages of time. Now think about how all that planning had to go in to effect to create the earth, 
the earth doesn't sit out here by itself. You've got the sun, and then you have Mercury, Venus, the earth, Mars, and then you go to Jupiter, and then you go beyond that on out into outer space. And the universe. Now, God is preparing the universe for his people. So, think about your calling. You need to think with the Spirit of God how great and broad and fantastic that is. Okay, let's continue. Now, verse 26. This is the purpose that is proposed upon all the earth. Everything here. Amazing. And this is the hand that is stretched out upon all nations. And we know through the holy days, everyone who has ever lived and died. Amazing. Amazing. Think of that. For the Lord of hosts has proposed, and who shall we verse it? No one. And his hand is stretched out. Who shall turn it back? No one. Purpose of God is going to be done. Now let's add something very interesting to understanding the scriptures before we begin looking at the holy days and what they mean. First of all, to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Okay? Now that's the longest psalm in the book of Psalms. And all the Levitical singers were required to memorize it. And to help them memorize it, each verse began with the Hebrew letter that's directly over each eight-verse section. Verse 160. Let's go back to verse 159 first. Okay. Consider how I love your precept. Now, that's an interesting thing. What is a precept? A precept is an operation that God is going to do, or is doing, O Lord. According to your loving kindness, give me light. Now, notice verse 160. Your word is true from the beginning, and every one of your righteous ordinances Endures forever. Now, what are the holy days? They are ordinances of God. Think about that. Okay? Come down here to verse 128. Therefore, I esteem all your precepts concerning all things to be right, and if they're right, then they're true. And I hate every false way. Now, let's put this together 
with Isaiah 28. Since his word is true from the beginning, and there's no lie in it, okay, and all his precepts are right or true, when it says back here in Isaiah 28 that we read last week, okay, Isaiah 28 verse 13, so then the word of the Lord was to them precept upon precept, or you can say truth upon truth. Interesting. Because everything that God has spoken here is truth. Everything. Okay. Precept upon precept, line upon line. Now this is showing how we study and put it together. Line upon line, here a little, there a little. Now, for those who don't know the truth, they'll fall away and go backward. We covered that last week. All right. Let's come to Leviticus 23. Now, this chapter on first appearance, when someone would pick up the Bible to read it, they would not know the significance of what it's telling they would not have a clue. Leviticus 23. Okay? And it's also interesting. And here's the precept of God with Leviticus 23. Number one. It is the only place in the entire Bible that gives the holy days listed in chronological and calendrical order. And the calendrical order is the calculated Hebrew calendar. Now, a person not knowing anything about the Hebrew calendar, and I get letters like this every once in a while, is the Passover day on the 14th day of January? Because that's the first month of the Roman calendar, right? <laughs> Every once in a while. So you can tell this is a newbie newbie. <laughs> okay. Now, another interesting thing that is an operation by faith. God gave to the Levitical priesthood the calculations of the calendar. Calculations that he established. He did not put it in the Bible. So that is the oracles of God given to the priesthood. Now, in spite of all the sins of the Jews and the priesthood, they have preserved the Old Testament and they have preserved the calendar. Why? Because God determined that through them, he would preserve it. And we can have absolute faith in that. All right? Leviticus 23. Now then. Verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, okay, And as we all know, the three most important words, Obey my voice. Okay? And it's written down. So when we read the Bible, it's like God talking to us. Think of that. And he had it preserved. 
for all time until the return of Christ. And in it is preserved the outline of his whole purpose. Because a lot of people don't believe in God because they don't know what he's doing. And they are not willing to take the very first step. And the very first step is listed right here in Leviticus 23. Verse 2, let's read it. Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, concerning the appointed feast of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my appointed time. Now think of it this way. If you have an appointment with someone, you're expected to be there. And you're expected, the one who wants the, you to come to that appointment, to be there as well, right? Okay. Number one, God is always there. He's always there. So, you are required to come to his appointment. Verse 3 is the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day of the Sabbath will rest a holy convocation. You shall not do any work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling. Okay? That's an appointed time every week. And God has preserved the knowledge of the seven-day week, even though during the French Revolution, they tried to have a ten-day week. And that didn't work out so well. Let's just add in there, just put in your margin, New Testament doctrine on the Sabbath. Jesus said that the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Lord is the Lord of the Sabbath day. The Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath day. Okay. So even in the New Testament, the Sabbath is required, and Christ is the Lord of it, always has been and always will be. Now then, there's more to it. These are the appointed feast of the Lord, holy convocation, which you shall proclaim in their appointed season. And the fourteenth day of the first month between the two evenings, we won't get into a big long thing about that, but that's after sunset and before dark, is the Lord's Passover. Now think about it for a minute. It's not the Jews' Passover. What Passover is the Jews' Passover? The next day. Which is actually the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Alright? Now then. This goes all the way back First of all, to Genesis 3 with the sin of Adam and Eve. Now, it's interesting about their sin. After God created them, what was the first thing that was brought to their attention? The Sabbath day. Just like the first thing of the Feast of God here is the Sabbath day. Now, 
How long they were in the Garden of Eden before they sinned, we don't know. But it had to be plenty long enough for them to know everything they needed to know and to have enough knowledge to think that if they decided to choose their own way, they could make it succeed. Therefore, the serpent could not have entered into the garden the very next day. They would not have had enough knowledge about what God wanted and what they should do. So how long that is or was, we don't know. But after they sinned was the first prophecy of Jesus Christ. And likewise then, that goes clear forward to 30 A.D. with the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And all of the other prophecies about Christ and his sacrifice are scattered through Psalm, through the prophets, and in the gospel. Amazing thing, really. Okay. Then the next one, the day after, and on the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread to the Lord, you must eat unleavened bread seven days. Okay. Now, why do we have this? So that we know we have to come out of sin and come out of the world. And that follows the Passover. Why? Because Christ is our Passover, who was sacrificed for us. Therefore, we're not to be living in sin. And the law of God tells us what sin is, which is a transgression of the law. One sidebar here is we go along. Keep this in mind. Did God authorize anyone to change the words of the law that he has spoken? No one. Okay. So you think about that when you look at fake Christianity in the world. They use the Bible, but they don't know the Bible. They claim the Lord Jesus, but they don't know him. Because they live in perpetual sin with Sunday people. And perpetual sin with their holiday people. So they fulfill the prophecy in Isaiah which says to Israel, You have made me to serve with your sin. Quite an amazing thing, isn't it? Right? So how true is the Bible? You think about it, everything that go through, okay? Now then. First day is the Holy Convocation, which we keep. And this shows us that there is a Satan, the devil. He is out there. And he's the author of sin. And that in our own minds, we're not only to change our behavior, but our thoughts with the Spirit of God. So then we have that for seven days. Okay. Seventh day is the Holy Convocation. What happened on the Passover with Israel when they were in Egypt? 
they had the sacrifice of the Passover lamb. Now, that Passover lamb was not for the forgiveness of sin. That was for protection for the firstborn. Go forward to the Passover of Christ. He was the firstborn of Mary and the first, the only begotten of the Father. Okay. On that Passover night, at midnight, that's when God passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt and killed the firstborn of the Egyptians. Fast forward to the Passover of Jesus. At midnight, he was arrested and taken off to be judged and crucified. Okay? And that comes back, clear back, to Genesis 15. See, just like we read, precept here, precept there, here a little, there a little. And so, you don't find any of this. In the book of Leviticus, chapter 23. Okay? So if you just pick it up and read it, you think, well, that's strange. What would it mean? Well, the rest of the Bible tells us what it means. Okay? Then we have what is called the wave sheep offering day. Verse 9. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, now, these are the words of God. Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you have come into the land which I give to you, and shall reap the harvest of it, then you shall bring the premier sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. He shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted for you. On the next day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. Well, that's the regular Sabbath during unleavened bread, or more correctly, the first day after the Sabbath during unleavened bread, because there are times when the Passover falls on the Sabbath day, and then that becomes the Sabbath, and the next day becomes the wave sheep offering day. Okay. Now, what does all of that mean? Well, for Israel it was they could go out and start working and harvesting and bringing in the harvest of the grain. Okay. For the New Testament, it is the harvest of God for the first resurrection. Okay. Then it tells all the offerings to bring to be counted specifically seven full weeks plus one day, which then adds up to 50 days. And then they were all to bring two loaves of finely beaten flour and bring them to the temple. Okay. Very interesting. Every other offering to God for sin, and this is not a sin offering, had to have unleavened bread. But these loaves had to be leavened. Because that pictures the change of the bread permanently baked. And that typifies 
the change at the resurrection permanently now spirit being. Okay. Now then, think of this. Here's everybody gathered around in the temple area and in the tents around there. And at a certain moment, when the priest gave the signal, they were to take these loaves and wave them. Now think about if you were on top of Mount of Olives looking down toward the temple and all the people in there, and here are these loaves that they're waving. That pictures the first resurrection because they're raised up. But you don't find any of that here, see. You have to find that in the rest of the Bible. Then we come to the next one, which is the Feast of Trumpets. That's a war feast. Now, that projects whenever there is a war, Israel was not to go out to battle unless God said, go. And God would be with them, and the battle would be the Lord. Whenever Israel went out on their own, they didn't succeed. So that tells us a pretty long lesson, doesn't it? If we go out and try and do things on our own, without yielding to God, it's not going to work. But if we do what God says, like, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. We'll be blessed. So this war feast actually projects toward conquering of the land with the children of Israel capturing the land from the Canaanites. That's the first fulfillment. And then subsequent wars that God told them to do. And then it comes clear to the end at the return of Christ and the wars at the end. Okay. And the final battle of Armageddon. None of that's here because it only says you'll just have a memorial of blowing the trumpet. The next one is the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement's interesting. From it, you get virtually very little understanding. Unless you understand there's a Satan, the devil, who is what? What is he called in the New Testament? God of this world. That's why one goat is for the Lord to be sacrificed for his sin offering. That's a type of Christ. Then the other one is a type of Satan, the devil. That one is not sacrificed, but sent into the wilderness and let go alive. And that's symbolizing that Satan is a spirit being and will not die. Okay, But this shows the fairness of God. In what way? Christ paid for your sins and the sins of the whole world with his sacrifice for every human being. All will have an opportunity for that through the holy days, the last great day, 
but that will have to wait to come. But, in this age, who is the author of sin? Satan. Is there an atonement for Satan's sin? Is there an atonement for Satan's sin that he makes us sin? No, we have our part because we we sin. But God would not be just if he didn't lay all the sins on Satan that are pictured by the live goat that is let loose. That's why the goat that was sacrificed for the sins of the children of Israel, they're covered. But the sins that they sinned, instigated by Satan the devil, those are not covered or forgiven, but they are removed. Symbolizing that there will never, 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 ever be any peace or forgiveness as long as Satan is around. That is, unless you come to Christ. Okay? Now, when you read Revelation 20, Satan is bound. What's the first thing that happens when he's loose? War. Okay? Now, that shows. That when Satan is around, people sin. But at that time, these people will have already rejected Christ. And so their war is a war to their own destruction, as Revelation 20 shows. Okay. Then after that, we have the Feast of Tabernacles, which pictures the millennium, when Satan will be removed when all people will have an opportunity for salvation. See? But there have to be other scriptures brought in, just like we read in Isaiah 28, to put it together and to understand it. Okay? Then the last great day. Now that's really quite a day. The last great day is quite a day. So, it's this way. Everyone that God did not call and had not committed the unpardonable sin will be raised for an opportunity for salvation. Because Jesus said, we'll see it a little bit, anyone, well, how about all of those that lived and died and weren't called? How about all of those in the flood? How about all of those who were aborted? All of those in accident. I mean, when we watch the news tonight, what are we going to find? Well, there's war here, there's shooting here, there's bombing there, there's riots here. All instigated by Satan. Won't be then. Now then, we will do a survey of the Gospel of John and the framework of the Passover and Holy Day. So that people will know and understand the Holy Days are the most significant thing necessary to understand the purpose of what God is doing. 